Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will return us to Washington as we will explore potential tax changes being considered and debated, how these changes might impact portfolios, and how to prepare accordingly for what might materialize. So joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Dan Scanzaroli, Head of Portfolio Strategy and UBS Wealthway Solutions Americas as well as Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas, both with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Dan, Justin, welcome back. Great to be with you as always, and looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning. I know our conversation will focus on the most recent POTUS 46 report. The title is Eight Ways to Manage Higher Taxes. So looking forward to diving into this further with you both, I do want to point out up front for our clients, our listeners, the publication can now be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO for your reference. But let's dive right into it. I know Congress is currently considering a number of tax increases to help pay for their Build Back Better Act. Now, one of these changes that has been proposed is an increase to the top capital gains tax rate. So, Dan, as a starting point, could you walk us through that change and how investors can manage the impact on their portfolios? Yeah, thanks, Dan, for uh, you know bringing up the top capital gains tax rate and the overall proposal. At this point, I, I, I want to be prudent to remind our, our listeners that the tax changes are proposal from the House Ways and Means Committee at this point. And while we expect many of the elements of this proposal to pass, the Congress and Senate are still working through both the debt ceiling while negotiating the proposed tax changes for a final tax bill. And since we don't know the final terms and where they fall, we caution investors from over-calibrating to the proposal until there's clarity on the exact changes to the tax code. As it relates to the capital gains tax proposal, you know, currently the top marginal capital gains tax is 20%, and the proposal is taking that to 25%. Plus, on both of these ends, they are not changing the net interest income tax, which is about 3.8% on top of that. Um, Throughout the year on CIO, we published a number of pieces on how to contextualize a potential capital gain tax increase and potential actions. And then, you know, one of the natural reactions of investors for preparing for potentially higher capital gains taxes is they may be inclined to realize capital gains now at a lower rate. Um, However, as investors think about their long-term objectives and the longevity of their wealth, deferring capital gains is often the optimal strategy to maximize after-tax wealth. It may not seem logical, but particularly when you have an investment horizon more than five to seven years, um, you can end up with significantly more wealth. Uh, by deferring capital gains and realizing at a higher tax rate because you're able to grow assets on a higher base of capital than if you realize gains now, gains now and paid the taxes on that capital. Uh, regardless of this point, it's likely too late for many investors to realize gains now at the lower tax rate. And this is because the House has made it clear that the rise in capital gains taxes would be retroactive to the day they proposed the bill, which was Monday, September 13th. So even if you did want to try to take action now, you would likely pay the higher capital gains tax anyway, uh, you know, considering it's going to, it's likely to be retroactive. There still, though, is an, an option to manage taxes on investments with higher capital gains. Um, for investors who have liquidity requirements that would typically require them to sell investments with substantial gains, 
uh, an often overlooked strategy is to borrow against your investment portfolio for spending needs. Uh, with a borrowing strategy, your investments continue to grow in your account without realizing any capital gains, not occurring that tax bill. And while the historical low interest rate payments on a loan can often be deducted against your ordinary income taxes and therefore help you manage taxes even more effectively. Dan, thank you very much for the clarity and the guidance specific to the capital gains tax rate. And as you alluded to towards the top of your commentary, the process remains quite fluid, so a lot to continue to track. But thank you, Dan, for that as a starting point. Now, another change that Congress is considering is an increase in the top income tax rate. So, Justin, can you walk through the those changes and how investors should consider managing their taxable income? Yes. Thank you again for having us, Dan. Uh, so the House bill is proposing an increase in the top marginal income tax rate from 37% to 39.6%, which is where it was before the 2017 Tax Cuts Act and where it was likely to go when, the, when that bill sunsets at the end of 2025. But they're making another change, which is to um, lower the effective uh, you know, income bracket for that tax rate. So now investors, uh, you know, will start paying that rate at $450,000 for married couples, which is about $178,000 lower than it was before. So it's going to apply to a lot of families that didn't used to be in the top bracket. Uh, and then on top of that, they're actually technically adding a new top bracket, which is due to a 3% surtax on income for married couples over $5 million. So technically, the top federal marginal income tax rate is going to be 42.6% for earned income, which again, as, as, um, as, as Dan mentioned, there's an additional 3.8% net investment income tax for investment uh, taxable income. So for corporate bonds and things like that, the top rate will be 46.4% which is the highest we've seen in in quite a while. Well, Justin, thank you for sharing those considerations. Uh, Dan, anything on this point on taxable income you'd like to weigh in on? Yes, absolutely. I I mean, as we looked at the proposed changes to the tax code, it's prudent to avoid letting the tax tail wag the investment dog. And I mentioned that because attempting to minimize your tax burden can come with an opportunity cost that can impede your ability to grow your invested capital. Um, the easiest way to minimize taxes is to have money under your mattress instead of investing it, where it's uh, you know creating creating more capital and obviously giving you a, uh, a tax bill because you are building wealth. So instead of minimizing taxes, as we uh, in our report, as we think about how to manage taxes, um, we are looking for strategies that can help you manage your tax burden and enhance potential after-tax value and portfolio growth. You know, that particularly relates to the municipal market where, you know, there is a silver lining for high income families in the current proposal. The good news is that the House has not proposed any changes to the tax exempt treatment of interest on state and government bonds or income limitations for this tax exemption in any way. In the past, there, this has actually been up for discussion in both Biden and Obama's budget proposals. Um, and while municipals are marginally more attractive when taxes rise, we caution against moderately increasing allocations to municipals, as our senior fixed income strategies, Leslie Falconio, um, is projecting that the 10-year Treasury rises to about 1.75 by year end as the economy continues to improve and the Federal Reserve slowly reduces asset purchases that have kept rates low in the years ahead. Um, the longer-term view of a rising rate environment provides a, you know, a fairly significant headwind, 
for producing returns um, for duration assets like munis over other areas where investors may get a higher tax bill, but also generate returns which have a higher likelihood to increase after-tax wealth. We currently prefer senior leveraged loans, which are less sensitive to the rising rate environment. These loans are floating rate in nature and therefore see, or see their yield increase as rates rise and tend to appreciate as the yield curve steepens, which is our base case. Additionally, the general terms of the tax proposal have been well telegraphed for months and markets have therefore mostly priced in the additional benefits of tax-exempt bonds relative to taxable equivalents. Thank you, Dan, for sharing those allocation considerations. So, okay, at this point, just to take inventory, we've covered capital gains, taxable income, potential changes there. Maybe we can now talk about how investors can prepare uh, next best action. So to that point, Justin, Dan, what are some steps that investors can take to improve their portfolio's tax efficiency going forward? Uh, Justin, maybe you can start for us. Yeah, it's a really good question. And as, as Dan mentioned, we shouldn't let the tax dog wheel, uh, wag the, sorry, tax tail wag the investment dog. Um, so we want to make sure that we're, we're identifying opportunities to increase the after tax growth potential of our portfolio. So the first thing to do is to diversify our savings across multiple different account types. So you want to have money in traditional IRA assets, Roth IRA assets, health savings accounts, taxable accounts. Um, and each of these has different elements. Basically, you're trying to spread your, your taxes for your salary across as much time as possible because we have a marginal income tax system uh, that rewards investors for uh, deferring tax, their, their ordinary income taxes into lower tax years. Uh, so spreading your income taxes across your entire lifetime is going to help you grow your wealth and also keep you know reduce or manage the amount of total taxes that you're going to be paying. Um, and, and then once you've got that tax diversification, you've got account, different types of accounts growing with different tax rules. Um, now you have the opportunity to invest in some of the higher income, higher turnover um, strategies in your tax advantaged accounts, such as your IRA or your 401k, because then they're not going to be producing a tax drag on your returns. This is something we call asset location. So owning the right assets in the right investment accounts. Um, and with the higher tax rates coming in, higher capital gains and higher ordinary income tax rates, this does on the margin improve the outlook for um, owning sort of some of your high high income corporate bond strategies and high turnover, you know, active equity strategies in your IRAs as opposed to in your taxable accounts. Thank you, Justin. Uh, Dan, anything you'd like to add with respect to taxable accounts? Yeah, you know, as we think about how to how to be more tax efficient on those taxable accounts, um, you know, even with a rise in the long-term capital gains tax rate that Justin mentioned before, um, the long-term capital gains tax is still about 10% lower than the marginal um, personal income tax rate for a family making more than $450,000 a year. Um, and I mentioned this because it further incentivizes investors to favor longer-term strategies and investment vehicles that deliver growth from longer-term capital gains. You know, uh, deferring, you know, realizing gains, you know, in, over the course of a year or more than a year, you know, allows you to um, reduce your tax bill by taking advantage of long-term capital gains tax rates, which are significantly lower. And specifically, investments in ETFs and tax-managed separately managed accounts, otherwise known as SMAs, may present advantages over um, other areas like mutual funds. Um, ETFs tend to have low turnover and give investors more control over when they realize gains 
while SMAs can have a tax management overlay to offset taxes down to the individual security level and therefore can be much more tax efficient. Um, for the same reason, investors may also want to constrain exposure to high turnover investment vehicles, which are more likely to give a large tax bill from short-term gains, which are taxed at a higher ordinary income tax rate. Um, for example, investors looking to allocate to hedge funds that create value through high-frequency trading are likely to yield a larger tax bill than macro hedge fund strategies with focus on long-term trends. It's not to say that the, that high-frequency trading doesn't have a place in the portfolio. It just has a higher bar in which they need to make up for relative to the higher tax bill that they're likely to give from short-term you know, capital gains. So as investors look to make adjustments to their portfolio to increase tax efficiency, um, I would recommend that they work with their financial advisor and their accountant to evaluate their current unrealized short and long-term capital gains in their portfolio. An abrupt shift from shell and selling, for instance, their mutual funds and realizing any capital gains taxes may actually offset the benefit of moving into more tax-efficient vehicles immediately. And for this reason, it's actually our recommendation to shift towards more tax-efficient vehicles over time based on your current tax profile instead of doing it all at once. To your point, a follow-up conversation or perhaps a series of conversations is indeed in order with our client's financial advisor to really understand what steps they should take. Uh, Justin, as if capital gains and taxable income changes weren't enough to consider and prepare for, Congress is also considering changes to IRAs and estate taxes. So, Justin, could you give us a quick rundown of those changes and what investors can do today? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the good news is that for IRAs, the changes are, are not going to affect many families, um, and but but uh, but the estate tax changes may affect many of our clients. Uh, so the first the first change that they're proposing is a higher required minimum distribution for families that have more than ten million dollars in IRA and or four hundred one k accounts. Um, that's a pretty big change. You know, they're going to ask people to distribute as much as fifty percent of the value for any year that they have more than $10 million in those qualified accounts. So if you, if you've accumulated a large amount of IRA assets, um, that's that, if that policy, if that strategy does go through, uh, if that policy change goes through, then uh, there may be a big tax bill at some point in your future. Uh, and you may want to get ahead of that by taking it, taking distributions or doing Roth conversions this year at the, at today's rate. Um, they're also uh, proposing an elimination of the backdoor Roth conversion strategy, which is essentially where investors would, um, you know, put some of their after-tax dollars into their traditional Roth 401k or IRA account and then do a backdoor conversion. So they paid taxes on it uh, before it went into their traditional IRA, and then they convert it right away to a Roth. So essentially they're getting around the income limits uh, on direct Roth IRA contributions. Um, all right. So with, with respect to these changes, investors should carefully consider how they manage their taxable income and think about, are, are, is it likely that our family is going to have low tax years in the future? In which case, you may want to plan ahead to do some Roth conversions in low income years to take advantage of the lower tax brackets while they apply to you and your family. Um, if you don't have low tax years ahead of you, it's also a good idea to think about doing some Roth conversions this year because the tax rate is likely to go up next year. So you may want to do a partial Roth conversion at this point. And if you're going to be at the top bracket uh, for income you know, forever in the future, 
then this is an opportunity for you to at least save 2.6% on your taxes. Unlike, unlike capital gains, um, deferring the income in your IRAs is not, is not necessarily an advantage in and of itself. Uh, really what you want to do is be able to lock in lower taxes. So unless you think taxes are going to go lower for you and your family, it's, it's a, it's a good idea to do some Roth conversions now. Um, again, you want to have diversification, right? So maybe don't convert all of your IRA assets into, into, uh, Roth. Uh, the, the more, the lower you have um, a balance in your traditional IRAs, the less the burden of the taxes off the traditional IRA assets will be in the future, either because of required minimum distributions or because you need to withdraw from them for for your uh, spending. On the estate tax side, there's a number of different proposals, and we shouldn't read into them too much, uh, the specifics. But the house is the house has proposed a lifetime estate tax exemption of 11 million dollars per married couple, which is down. From $23.4 million today. Um, I would say even if you, you and your partner don't have more than $11 million today, you should really consider how much your assets might grow in the years and decades ahead and how much of this wealth you plan to spend versus leaving to your heirs or, or, or to giving or giving to philanthropic uh, purposes. Um, so the, the most important thing is don't wait until this proposal is finalized to start the conversation with your financial advisor who can help you to coordinate a strategy with your estate and tax planning experts because it can take weeks or even months to implement a thoughtful estate plan. Uh, and the cost of procrastination could be very steep due to the size of the changes. So it's a good idea to start getting things written up. Uh, you, you can take advantage of today's um, exemptions. And then if the exemptions don't get lowered, then it didn't cost you anything as long as you make sure that you're you're moving assets out of your taxable estate that you don't need to spend during your lifetime, right? We don't want you to give away wealth that you need to spend. Um, and, but, you know, it's a healthy conversation to have. Um, you know, obviously with only three months or less to go, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a crunch, but um, important to make sure you have those conversations to make sure that you take the action that you need to today. Thank you, Justin, for the insights into IRAs and estate taxes. So, all right, I know we've covered a lot today, though this has been very helpful, helping our clients, our listeners, better understand the potential changes, uh, the potential impacts to portfolios, and how to prepare accordingly. So it sounds like a lot of uh, next steps need to happen, especially when it comes to follow-up conversations with one's financial advisor. Before we close out today, Dan, Justin, any final thoughts you would like to leave with our listeners, our clients? Well, this, this morning we, we talked about three aspects of, of uh, personal wealth, right? We, talk, we talked about you know, liquidity needs. We talked about investing for the long term in more tax efficient ways for the longevity of your portfolio. And we've also talked about how to leave your legacy in the most efficient way so that you can maximize the, you know, what you ultimately pass on to heirs or charity or for the benefit of others. Um, you know, there are actions in each one of these in, in these areas, as, as we've talked about in terms of thinking about different tax accounts, uh, taxable versus tax deferred accounts, you know, asset location for tax diversity diversification is a is a key tenant of of what we think about in our UBS wealthway approach as we think about what we refer to as liquidity, longevity, and legacy. Um, and so I, I encourage everyone to, to you know, reach out to their financial advisors and discuss the UBS Wealthway because it really can put the taxes um, and the overall impact in the context of your long-term goals and the chances 
of meeting those goals and ways to improve them. Couldn't have said it better. Very well put by Dan. And to Dan's point, the conversation does not end today. We do, of course, encourage our listeners, our clients to have that follow-up conversation or a series of conversations with their financial advisor. Uh, Though, Dan, Justin, very valuable insights today. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning. I look forward to having you back um, with us again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And again, today we've been joined by Dan Scanceroli, Head of Portfolio Strategy and UBS Wealthway Solutions Americas, as well as Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas, both with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including, of course, the publication which Dan and Justin have both been making reference to during our conversation this morning, POTUS 46, Eight Ways to Manage Higher Taxes. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you have any follow-up questions based on today's podcast, or if you would like to receive a copy of the most recent POTUS 46 directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Time frames may vary. Strategies are subject to individual client goals, objectives, and suitability. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.